This is Ring the Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen for today's program on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of New England operations for Ringler Associates. We're glad you could join us today from all over the country. And as you may already know, listening to Ringler Radio is now as easy as click to listen. Or you can download the show to your computer or iPod and listen to it later. You can find Ringler Radio shows on our website at ringlerassociates.com or the Legal Talk Network at legaltalknetwork.com. I know you'll enjoy our shows as we cover the important news and information in the settlement industry, as well as introduce you to high-profile attorneys and industry experts. Today, we're going to talk about a competitive threat to your business, to my business, to our business. It's called the Quasi-Structure Trust, or the QST. Most of you have experienced situations where claimants are urged by other financial product providers, usually aligned with the plaintiff attorneys, to settle for cash and to place the settlement proceeds in a special type of trust that claims to deliver all the benefits but none of the downsides of a structured settlement. Well, is this true? I, ho- I sure hope not, because if it is, I think we're all in a little bit of trouble. But today I think we can help shed some light on this question and separate the marketing hype from reality. And we're very fortunate to have two guests on Ringler Radio today from the Massachusetts Mutual Life Insurance Company. Ringler has had a great relationship with Mass Mutual for a long time. So today with us is the Chief Operating Officer of Mass Mutual Settlement Solutions, Tom Hawkins, who's joining us from Charlotte, North Carolina. Tom is relatively new to the settlement industry, but has over 20 years' experience in consulting and financial services, including the last six years with Mass Mutual. Tom's responsible for structured settlement sales and marketing, product development, pricing and underwriting, and recently completed the National Structured Settlement Trade Association, or NASTA's Certified Structured Settlement Consultant Program at the University of Notre Dame. That's quite a mouthful, uh, Tom, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I do want to ask you, when you were out at Notre Dame, uh, did I hear that they recruited you to play halfback? Is that true? Well, we'll see. We'll see. They're having a pretty good year this year, so they may not need any help there. Well, that's true. Also from Mass Mutual, we're joined by Tim Dennehy. He's the trust and estate consultant with the Mass Mutual Trust Company. Tim works closely with structured settlement brokers throughout the country to offer trust services as needed. I hope you've had the pleasure of working with him or hearing him speak. He has a wealth of experience in trust and estate administration, and prior to joining the Mass Mutual Trust Company in March of 2002, he was with Fleet National Bank for over 10 years. You know, what sets Mass Mutual Trust Company apart is that uh, they're what we refer to as structure-friendly. In other words, they'll help you when a trust is necessary, and more importantly, they won't compete against you for the settlement proceeds. And more than anyone in our industry, I think both Tim and Tom realize the potential threat that the QST poses to our business, and they're here today to help you understand what a QST is and how to counter the threat. So, Tim, I'd also like to welcome you to Ringler Radio today. Uh, thanks so much, Larry. I'm uh, very pleased to be here. Great. Well, our goal today is to examine just what a QST really is and why it could find uh, appeal in your marketplace out there and compete against us in the structured settlement business. But we also want to examine what we as Ringler Brokers can do in competitive situations to defend our structured settlement annuity against the QST. And in order to do that, 
I think what we need to do is start with a more basic overview and understanding of the QST. So, Tim, why don't you review for us, at least initially, what, what are some of the post-settlement financial needs and arrangements of a typical set, uh, claimant that you've seen uh, as you've done your work? Sure. Thanks, uh, Larry, and thanks for the introduction and the kind words about Mass Mutual. Uh, I'd like to start by trying to make it clear that uh, from the beginning that I'm not here to disparage any specific product or product provider uh, you know, during our discussion today. Um, but when we refer to a QST or a quasi-structured trust, we actually have to acknowledge that this, this class of product, this, this sort of structure, sort of trust, a vehicle that replicates a structure and replicates a trust in, in one form, it has some positive aspects. And it has been established a you know, competitive niche, largely at the expense of the traditional structure settlement and the structure settlement broker. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, through this show, your listeners can learn more about this product in that, and more importantly, how to compete effectively against it. You know, specifically to your question, to oversimplify a bit, there are basically two distinct groups of claimants from the financial perspective. The first group I'll call low risk. You know, given their in- injuries, uh, many claimants just need to replace their ability to go out and earn income. Um, this satisfies the bulk of their financial needs, you know, pure and simple. A structured settlement is perfect to address this need, replace income, guaranteed, tax-free. Now, aside from this, it often just makes plain sense to have a large portion of any financial arrangement, be it you know, settlement or retirement savings or whatever the circumstances, in a low-risk or no-risk investment vehicle. Now, these two factors are a basis of a low-risk portion of a post-settlement offer to a client where the claimant sets aside part of their settlement in an arrangement that provides them with income and security. As I've said before, the structured settlement annuity is the perfect vehicle designed to meet this need. And in a perfect world, this would be the only type of settlement you'd ever encounter. And as a structured settlement, it would all, would all you'd ever need. The problem is most claimants will also have uncertain needs, and many want to set aside a portion of their net settlement into an investment arrangement or some type of arrangement that provides both income that a structure delivers plus a pool of assets that can be used to provide investment growth as well as access to principal to meet uncertain needs. If the structure is perfect for the certain needs, then this other account is available for the uncertain. And it's this other piece, the growth piece, the uncertain piece, the liquidity component. That's what the QST tries to take advantage of. We've acknowledged the downside of a pure, you know, we have to, I should say, acknowledge the downside of a pure 100% structure settlement annuity is that it provides tax-free income, but there's no liquidity element. The client can invade later outside of perhaps a cost-of-living adjustment rider. The annuity also lacks a significant growth component. So with the QST trying to come in and meet both of these needs, the liquidity and the growth component, the, the way to combat it is to provide a solution to the second half of the puzzle, the growth half, to meet the claimant's uncertain needs with a vehicle that can provide liquidity and capital appreciation. And the actual vehicle used can be a trust account or another investment account combined with the structure. So in a competitive situation with a QST, try to think of split funding a structure settlement and a trust as a means of defending and supplementing your primary business with a friendly trust or trust company. And, Tim, uh, this is Tom. I think it's worth noting that the claimants tend to fall into four categories. Uh, We generally look at them as minors, uh, incompetent adults, competent adults who have spendthrift tendencies, and I I might consider myself in that category, by the way. (laughs) Me too. And finally, uh, competent adults who can manage their own financial affairs. 
And because so many claimants tend to fall in, into the uh, first three categories, we think that an irrevocable trust often makes sense as the right vehicle to hold the liquid portion of the settlement proceeds uh, because, A, it's either required in the case of minors and incompetent adults, or, B, uh, it's needed to protect the client from him or herself where you have a so-called spendthrift but an otherwise competent adult. Well, you know, in most cases, uh, brokers that work primarily for the defense uh, and work for the defendant's insurance uh, company, uh, you know, that that insurance company's primary interest is to settle the case, and what we have found is a structured annuity, as opposed to, let's say, a more comprehensive settlement proposal that you're speaking of, is is usually a a cleaner and simpler means to that end. How do you you deal with that issue? Well, that's right, Larry. And and from a sales standpoint, um, you know, we know that the the settlement broker is is not uh, going to be anxious to supplement their primary vehicle, which is the structured settlement, and split fund the settlement with another vehicle, in this case a trust, if they don't completely understand it. I mean, no one wants to face questions during a sales presentation that they may may appear unable to answer uh, effectively or that may make them look uh, less credible. Uh, also, the broker uh, doesn't want to undermine his or her primary vehicle, in this case the structured settlement, by providing the client with an, another option that they may prefer instead of the structure. <clears throat> but when you think of how to allocate the settlement proceeds, we are still suggesting that the structured settlement is the core product. I mean, after all, I I want you to sell a structure, too. Uh, but particularly in competitive situations with QSTs, uh, we're suggesting that you always look at the bigger picture, which may require a slightly different approach. And because of Tim and our trust company, uh, we think that we, Mass Mutual, are in a unique position to help out the broker when this occurs. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we talked before about the threat that these QSTs might pose to structured settlements, and I think our listeners want to get to some of those details. Tim, uh, why don't you educate us a little bit more about how that works? Sure, sure. Larry, our understanding is that it, it, the process usually starts with the QST provider's client, who is usually the plaintiff attorney, mm-hmm. whereas if the broker's client is the insurance company, the, the, the QST provider has great access to the claimant through the plaintiff attorney. Their approach is generally to tell them that your product, meaning the structured settlement, is incomplete because it only provides income for certain needs and does nothing to meet their potential needs, uncertain needs, needs for liquidity and growth. So then they position the quasi-structured trust as a vehicle that can do both the income guaranteed or the tax-free income or some component of that, and the growth part. So they encourage the claimant to settle for cash and then place the money in the QST itself. And the promises, the promised benefits, I should say, the promised benefits of the QST can be sort of listed in five succinct points. First, that the QST offers all of the benefits contained in a traditional structured settlement and none of the downsides. I'll repeat that, all of the benefits of a traditional structured settlement. Second, it provides a payment stream that's, payment stream that's free of federal income taxes, again, federal income taxes. Uh, thirdly, that the claimant will have emergency invasion privileges as well as disbursements for medical and educational expenses. Or so, in other words, emergency access to liquidity. Uh, fourth, that the investment portion of the trust funds um, is, is a, a portions in equity, so in equities or some type of equity component so that there's a, a the potential upside over time, a, a growth component, and something that a structured settlement won't do. And, and last promise, perhaps, is that at the end of the period certain, 
the claimant will get a full refund of the remaining trust balance or their estate if they should die and the trust is still in existence. So to boil it down, the, the QST promises both an income stream that nearly replicates the tax-free advantages, remember we said tax-free for federal purposes, right. as well as uh, you know, of the advantages of a structured annuity, together with the liquidity and growth of an investment approach that gives the claimants market upside. Thus, the, you know, in summary, the QST purports to give the claimant the best of both worlds by beating a structured settlement with a comprehensive trust-based solution. And like it or not, one of the main selling points of the QST providers is that unlike a structured settlement alone, the QST uh, allows invasion for meeting uncertain needs and provides uh, limited access to liquidity. But in the real world, uh, combining a structure plus a trust creates what we think is a much better solution than the QST since it, since it delivers uh, all of what the QSTs claim to deliver. But and, and this is really, really important point that I want your audience to understand – uh, our solution of split funding totally decouples the income stream of the structure from the fluctuations that can very unpredictably unpredict- occur in the trust reserve uh, that can be caused by invasions or market downsides or even, in the worst case, the claimant's own propensity to overspend. Well, these are very interesting points. T- Tim, tell us uh, a little bit more about how does the quasi-structured trust work? How, how, does, how do people get uh, approached to even uh, get involved in it? Sure, sure, Larry. You know, first we talked about the, the sales approach, and then we, we looked at the promises of the vehicle. You know, in a few bullet points, the vehicle itself, uh, the, the, there's a, a facilitator, the, the market, marketer himself, the QST, the facilitator, encourages the, the claimant settles for cash. We mentioned that. The trust is then set up after the claimant gets constructive receipts of the fund, so it, it's effectively described as exempt from Section 130. Take the cash. Put it in this trust. As we've said, also, it's, it's basically a, a, a vehicle in which there's an asset allocation between a fixed income component and an equity component. That is, take the cash, put it in this trust, it's an irrevocable vehicle, in which we will invest in underlying assets. And the asset allocation could be somewhat in the range of, say, 70% fixed income and 30% growth, just for illustration and discussion purposes. In other words, it's what we call a total return trust. You know, for the vehicle to deliver on its promises, Larry, a significant portion of the QST's fixed income securities, they must be in non-taxable bonds in order to provide you know, the, the, the tax-free income from federal income tax purposes. And, and further, the QST is is, I mentioned, irrevocable, but it will provide for specific invasions for limited purposes. And the, the types of purposes, invasions can be tuition reimbursement, or educational expenses or tax expenses, medical expenses, and then you usually beyond those get a little, a little kicker of some annual percentage of the original funding amount. And then if the claimant needs yet further money, additional invasions can be made at the, with court approval. Uh, so the remaining, you know, we, we're talking about the asset allocation again within it. If we've got 70% fixed income to create the, the, the illustrated income and, and lump sum payouts, and we have this growth component, then the, the remaining 30% of the trust is allocated in, in, in the growth securities, which can usually consist of a portfolio of index mutual funds, but could theoretically also include a, a variety of vehicles, in, including individual securities. 
Well, you know, there's an awful lot here. I think what we should do now is just take a short break and then come back with some questions about the QSC and talk a little bit more about how it's going to affect structured settlements and maybe how we can uh, use it to both of our advantages. Okay? We'll take a break. Bye-bye. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio and any legal talk network show to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to our other shows on the Legal Talk Network and become a member. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates, placing more than $18 billion in structures over the past 30 years, and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Welcome back to Ringler Radio, and we're glad uh, you joined us here today. We have as guests of the show Tim Dennehy and Tom Hawkins of Mass Mutual, and we've been talking about a very interesting uh, product, the Quasi-Structured Trust, or the QST for short. You know, I think it's time to drill down into this QST. Uh, Tom, why don't you give us some of the positive and potential negative aspects of a QST so we can better understand what they're all about? Okay, will do. Um, first, the positive. I, I think, um, unlike the structured trust uh, or structured settlement alone, the QST does give some access to liquidity. I think we have to give it that. And because of the QST's asset allocation, it uh, does give access to growth potential and for uh, market upside. Well, what about the uh, potentially negative aspects of the QST? I think a lot of us are, are listening for that. Go ahead. Well, most importantly, the QST is not guaranteed. Uh, as you know, structured settlement annuities are guaranteed subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company, uh, and nor can the, the claimant uh, in a QST, if they have significant health issues, receive underwriting or a rated age. And these are key issues, in our view, that uh, to the claimant and the insurer alike in order to get their settlement dollars to go further. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tim, what about uh, you? What potentially negative issues do you see? Yeah, Larry, in addition to Tom's comments, I, I'd start with the taxation of the claimant's benefits, the taxation of that income stream and other uh, benefits that anyone would receive from the QST. You know, under specific circumstances, the fixed income portfolio component, the 70% or whatever the asset allocation is into the fixed income, could generate some tax-free income, particularly if it's in a laddered portfolio municipal bonds in the state in which the claimant uh, resides. But if not, then there's going to be some tax, specifically in its uh, fixed income a mutual fund portfolio. It, there's, there's, there's going to be some tax on the income stream itself. And if there's a growth component, and we know there's a growth component, and that's in an uh, equity mutual fund portfolio, then there's certainly going to be tax on dividends and, and tax on capital gains. So in, the, in some, uh, you know, the claimant will receive a 1099 at the end of the year. Uh, it's also important to note that, uh, you know, there's upside potential comes downside risk. And it should, it should be known that the value of the fixed income securities will fall in, as interest rates rise. And that if fixed income securities are municipal bonds, um, there's a significant, of a, a, a significant risk of, of, of credit issues. So 
We have creditor issues if we're municipal bonds in a ladder portfolio, and we have um, net asset value issues if interest rates rise and we're in municipal bond fixed income uh, funds. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if there's a large invasion into the trust, and I think this is a, a somewhat key point, the trust reserve can be stressed to deliver. It will be stressed to deliver the ever higher returns that will be needed to, to get out the same income stream that's illustrated at the front end. So the, this gets to you know a point that Tom made earlier. The, the QST reserve is not decoupled from the structure's income stream. And we, we believe this is a large risk that a holder of a QST faces. Yeah. Yeah, Tom. And just just to add to that, uh, the facilitator, um, who is the effectively the uh, salesperson in this case, might get up to a four percent front end load, or alternatively, uh, up to a one percent per year asset trail. This comes out of the claimant's pocket uh, since his fee is paid from the trust corpus. Uh, a broker um, is also paid a commission on the sale of a structured settlement, but it's not a load, which which uh, is deducted from the proceeds received by the claimant, which is the case with a QST. <clears throat> the administrator or the trust company um, usually only charges a nominal uh, account-level fee, but since they are probably using their, their own family of funds in the trust, they have fees that are embedded in the, the QST securities. So the bottom line is that, like any investor, you really have to carefully consider all of the applicable fees, uh, some of which might not be readily apparent to the claimant with a QST. Right. Well, let's uh, try to help out our audience here from a practical standpoint. What do you think we should be doing in a sales situation when confronted with the QST scenario? Uh, Larry, first, I, I think it's important to recognize the structured settlement, despite all of its virtues, may not be the total solution in every case. And if a broker finds themselves sending in illustrations to the plaintiff attorney or other interested parties and not getting a response, then, then and, and the QST seems to be on the horizon as a threat from a sales standpoint, then I think it's important to ask some key questions. And, and, and whomever you can get this information from, there's really four basic pieces of information you try and gather. There's, you know, what's the amount being deposited into the QST? And then secondly, what are the assumed payout rates? And what are the annual earnings or net you know, asset yield assumption that the QST is illustrating? And is there a COLA assumed? In other words, what are the four questions you can ask to try and replicate the illustration that the QST provider is, is, is issuing to the interested parties? How much is going in? How much are they going to grow it at? Is there a COLA? What type of disbursements are being made? And with this basic information, I can help you contrast or compare a combined structure settlement with mass mutual trust that we think will be very attractive to the claimant and the attorney versus the QST. So if you start on one end of the spectrum, Larry, with the structured illustrations and more structured illustrations, and you don't seem to be breaking through and you realize you have a threat, then gather key information. Ask key questions so that you can then work a structure combined with a trust as a counteroffer. Our experience is that if you, in a counteroffer, if you allocate about 70% of the proceeds of your settlement to the structure itself and 30% to the trust, you can create many, if not all, the benefits that the QST promises and in, in maybe some additional advantages as well. And, and these advantages include you know, a stream of income from your structured settlement that's certain, if underwritten, to never be exhausted before the claimant's death, certain to never be exhausted, guaranteed for life, and certainly, unquestionably, income tax-free. So when you compare the income stream of the QST, which is subject to 
In fact, it's not guaranteed, could be subject to risk if there are invasions down the road that are significant or if the proposed and non-guaranteed return isn't the same. You contrast that to the combined offer of a structure together with a trust decoupled from each other, and your income stream is of more value because it's guaranteed and it's tax-free. And then secondly, the trust component you have combined in there is also a growth component that's completely decoupled and will provide all of the liquidity components, the invasion components, and the other benefits of for uncertainties that's completely decoupled from your income stream. Thus, your income stream's not at risk if the claimant needs to invade the principle of the trust itself. So I think by combining a structure decoupled from a trust in sum, you can trump, perhaps trump, the QST offer if you find yourself unsuccessful in your approach, your excellent initial approach of providing structure illustrations alone. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I call turning the tables on the QST, uh, and it's really uh, an interesting uh, way to go. Great job, Tim. Uh, Tom, what do you think? Well, Larry, Tim is too modest to say this, but he is a tremendous resource to all the brokers in the structure community, and Tim's ready and willing to help when called upon. Uh, So to all of your listeners, uh, I would uh, say that Tim is a great asset uh, when encountered with a when you encounter a QST, so please uh, feel free to utilize him. Well, that's great. Well, you know, for our audience uh, of uh, structured brokers out there, I think I think what the QST is all about is this: if you're hearing objections uh, around liquidity and growth in the structured settlement you're, you're offering, uh, the QST may be a settlement vehicle to partner with. And uh, you know, now at least we have some experts to turn to in uh, in both Tim and Tom. And uh, Tim and Tom, how uh, would our folks reach you if they wanted to do that? They can reach me, this is Tim, at, at Mass Mutual Trust Company, and the uh, direct line here is 860-562-3198. And if you have any questions about how to counter a, a QST offer and, and uh, how to protect and defend your structured annuity business, I'm, I'm happy to think through that with you. And I assume you also have an email address? Sure. It's, uh, it's T. Dennehy, or T-D-E-N-E-H-Y at Mass Mutual Trust, and that's all one word, dot com. How about you, Tom? My direct line is area code 704-602-2108. That's 704-602-2108. And my email is thawkins at massmutual.com. Well, great. Tim and Tom, I want to thank you very much. Uh, We learned an awful lot here today, and I think we're going to be uh, pouring over this show and listening to it more than once to really get into the detail. But it's a very important topic, and I hope all of you enjoyed it. And uh, for now, thanks for listening to Ringler Radio, and we'll see you the next time. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. We hope you'll join us for our next program on the Legal Talk Network.